This episode is brought to you by Wild, the UK's number one natural deodorant company that focuses on performance, sustainability and style. Utilising the power of nature, they've created an effective, long-lasting deodorant that is free of aluminium and parabens, whilst also being cruelty-free and vegan. At the start of lockdown, Lauren told me she stopped wearing deodorant and wanted to find a natural deo for her bio. And we've both been using Wild for about nine months now and can confirm that their natural eco-friendly deodorants not only smell heavenly, but genuinely work. It's a solid reco. And it's such a genius concept to reduce plastic in your everyday routine, because once you've ordered your aluminium case, your refills are delivered straight to your door in biodegradable and recyclable packaging. It's super convenient. There's a flexible subscription option, or you can purchase as one-offs and you can fully customize your order selecting the scents you love. I'm currently using jasmine and mandarin blossom, which smells so fresh and floral. And just in time for the summer holidays, they've also released a mini deodorant about the size of a chapstick, which will be perfect for traveling. So say goodbye to the days of throwaway bathroom products and invite some natural and sustainable solutions into your everyday routine. Head on over to wearewild.com and use code BOOKS for 15% off at checkout. That's wearewild.com and use code BOOKS. For every deodorant they sell, they will contribute a percentage of sales to climate charity on a mission to support their incredible reforestation projects. Thank you, Wiles. Welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Recos. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. Recently, Pandora Sykes launched Pandora's Books, where each month you'll get sent a a book she has chosen, access to an interview with the author and a newsletter of more recos from her. The first book she chose was Brown Girls by Daphne, Palassi, Andreadis, and today we are getting some time with the author to discuss her fabulous debut. God, Lauren, I feel like crap, and I think I just need to caveat this episode since I'm very nasal and croaky that this is this is just how I am for today, and I'm really sorry about it. <laughs> But yeah, it was worth it for last night's festivities. It was, wasn't it? Last So last week we uh, said on here that we were speaking on a panel at uh, Flocks Books for an IWD event. And it was last night. I don't think I've ever said IWD. I do a load of IWD events, so that's all I call it. I feel like that in itself is quite a mouthful. You might as well say International Women's Day. No, I W W D international. It is less syllables, so you're absolutely right. Absolutely, thank you. Um, yeah, it was it was great. You know, we I, we were saying on the podcast that we were crapping our pants and we were nervous, but actually, like as soon as we arrived, I wasn't nervous at all. No, neither. And the team there were just like super lovely. It's a really great bookshop um, with drinks, and the owner Amy told us that um, it's on a high street with the highest concentrate of female business owners in London. How bloody cool. Oh my God. It was just, she was, Amy is also such an, 
like incredible woman I was just totally in awe of her yeah she told us like her career journey what she does like she's just very successful very inspirational and it's such a beautiful bookshop with such like a a really strong community vibe so East Londoners defo go check it out even if you're not in East London it's a really nice little day trip yeah yeah definitely worth the trip really great social space Mm. and wine and, and coffee and, and coffee. coffee but that's not what we're talking about today Lauren it is not no so we um were well we were sent Pandora's books um the first month to to share all of our lovely followers um what it's like and, and what it, um what book she had chosen which was Brown Girls and around the same time the lovely team at Fourth Estate got in touch to ask if we'd like to interview Daphne so all the stars aligned. Lauren, it went direct. Is that right? <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, sure, it makes sense. Like, I don't think it's got any, <laughs> I don't think people use it, but I think that's a really clever term to use. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, so it's all come together really lovely. And today we're going to be interviewing her. Yeah. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Daphne, thank you so much for your time and for joining us today and welcome to Book Recos Between the Pages. Thank you so much, Jess and Lauren. It's really a pleasure to be here. Absolute pleasure is all, is all ours. Um, we would love if you could start off this conversation by telling us in your own words just a little bit about your book for listeners who aren't aware of the plot. Yeah, sure. So um, my debut novel, Brown Girls, follows a group of young women of color who are primarily first and second generation um, immigrant daughters as they come of age in um, a funky place called Queens, New York, which is actually my hometown. Um, And the story kind of follows them, uh, their friendships, Uh, their relationships to their family, um, romantic partners, um, and as parents um, for some of the characters. And the story is told through a choral voice. So like a we, um, Mm. and that was really fun to write. Yeah, we loved that this chorus of girls and their story. And um, whilst reading, we just couldn't stop thinking about how you managed to write a book that is so personal to each character, but actually told by all of all of them collectively, like cannot wrap mm. our heads around it and yeah. wondered why you chose to write it in that way. Yes. Um, I think that I decided to tell the story from this we point of view for different reasons. I think one of them was that um, I was a graduate student at the time in 2017 when I first started writing the book. And I guess I just wanted to do something different than what I had been reading and studying. Um, So in part, yeah, I I wanted to tell the story through kind of a more unconventional voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, so I was attracted to the we for that reason um, and kind of just gravitated to to writing it. Um, 
but then at a certain point I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm telling this, the story and it's, it's from the we point of view. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know that I want it to follow, uh, women of color across like different diasporas from different kind of immigrant communities. Um, but like how exactly, how can I do that with the, we, like, how can I show the range of experiences and breadth of experiences? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was definitely thinking about my own lived experiences. Uh, my family's Filipino American. Um, but I thought, okay, I have to step outside of my own lived experiences um, yeah. to really capture the we. So that kind of led me to interviewing some um, childhood friends uh, who were also like immigrant kids um, from like Haiti or the Dominican Republic or Nigeria um, or India, and just like seeing talking to them and listening to them and seeing mm-hmm. where our experiences kind of like overlapped and then yeah. where they just totally diverged and were very different. Yeah. Well, I thought about that actually, that it's, it is a, a we and there are, there, you're all from minority backgrounds, but yes. completely different cultures, traditions, stereotypes mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Um, I love that you interviewed them all. Did that just was that weird that they were your friends? And then you had to be like, right, no, we really need to get to business. I'm going to ask you some <laughs> questions. Or were you just generally chatting to them? Or how did that work? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think at that point in time, I had been writing the book for um, maybe four months or so. And I was hitting a wall. Um, and so I decided to reach out to this handful of friends um, from Queens or from school, my childhood buddies. Um, and it was kind of just like truly preliminary research. I really was just like, um, I'm working on this project and it follows immigrant daughters. And are you, um, are you willing to just like speak a little bit more about what it was like growing up in Queens? Um, what it was like, like I asked them, for example, um, what, what are things that, you know, having grown up in, in the U S in the West that your, your Uh parents who are immigrants don't know and vice versa. What are things that your, your parents know that you most likely will never experience and other things like, um, uh, what in your experience, um, what, what was it like dating people of color versus people who are not people of color, people mm. who are white? Yeah. Um, and just, can you talk to me about that? So it was just, yeah, it was really fascinating to get to chat with them. Um, but I, it was interesting though, because their experiences were never truly like mirrored in the book and any sort of like one-to-one way it was really just like a chance for me to like speak to them listen to them and then kind of like imagine the atmosphere or imagine uh the conflict so it was really like a springboard into writing fiction yeah I love that yeah it's like expanding your your own education almost isn't it just hearing from different vantage points Um, and it must have been really like cool to write to follow not just one character through mm-hmm. like a linear journey through the book, but it follows so many girls 
and yeah. explore lots of different outcomes, which there are in this book, you know, girls who made it to university, those who didn't mm-hmm. and pursue different things and different partnerships and different life experiences. How on earth did you map all of those out? Because and like, did you like keep a note of all the timelines that were going on? Because I feel like if I was in that position, I'd have I'd be like sticking post-it notes everywhere to just remind myself of what what's happening to each character. Or was that yeah. less important to uh, the character development? Yes, um, it was it was really tricky <laughs> and challenging to write the we for all of those reasons. Yes. Um, But again, I think it was just like of utmost importance to me to really capture that breath and really like try to imagine what are all of the different um, paths and like attitudes and beliefs and approaches Mm. and experiences. So it really it really stretched me um, in that way. And the interviews helped um for sure like in terms of imagining just all of the different the range of experiences um but there was one book in particular that like really um kind of served as a model I guess Uh um because I hadn't really read many books told from the we so I was like Mm. how do I even how do I begin approaching this so it helped to have um a couple of models but one my primary model was this book um, called Buddha in the Attic. And it uh, it's written by this um, Japanese American author named Julie Atsuka. And so her we follows like a group of Japanese brides who are traveling from like different parts of Japan mm. to San Francisco and just the different paths their lives their lives take. Um, So reading that book just really kind of gave me, yeah, like a model for um, how can, how can I show that like, or or just like the language, like Mm -hmm. some, some of us do this or others of us do this or, okay, I want to show that I'm talking about more than like five women. Mm. And, and in Julia Atsuka's book, she lists like dozens of names for example to really show that she's talking about many characters so that was kind of a guide for me I guess to 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 really trying to capture the we on on the page that's really interesting and and there's did you feel any responsibility in the process of feeling almost like you had like there was a responsibility on your shoulders to accurately represent this this we for so many different women yeah yes absolutely I think that was part of part of the challenge too and Mm. um honestly like just one of my fears writing the Mm. book I think I was like well this is a really big risk and I know that there are um readers or critics um who it just the the book might not connect with them and maybe some people will also feel like oh uh this this doesn't represent like my experience or like my um 
Yeah, my experience yeah. growing up, like Indian American or um, Filipino American, mm-hmm. even. Um, but I think that, yeah. So I did, I did definitely feel that, um, yeah, that hesitation. But I think I really just clung on to. Um, there is no one experience, yeah. and it's just more so important for me to show the breadth and. Yes. Um, I guess have humility in terms of like what I don't, what I don't know and what I don't yeah. lay claim to. So yes, that's no, okay exactly. too. Yeah. And um, there were just so many quotes that I made a note of when I was reading <laughs> your book. And I've particularly found the final line in one of your chapters really, like it really moved me where you were describing, um, I think the girls were in an English class and they were reading Shakespeare's sonnets and the final line is we don't look like anybody in these books and nobody looks like us. And that just made me reflect back on like my own experience in, in high school and mm. the books that I read and made me think like, was there an accurate diversity of, of men and women in the literature that I was reading? But I'm interested to know like, what was your intention um, and what what did you want the readers to come away thinking or feeling after they read your book? Oh, it's, it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah. It's know, a big question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard to pinpoint um, truly like one feeling. Yes. Um, yeah. Really because I think, I don't know, for me, this, this is my debut novel and yeah. uh Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and and the joy and like challenge in writing it was was I think um trying to um trying to make the reader feel just like uh the the tenderness, the joy, the sorrow, yeah. the the humor, um, and just really the the beauty and the complexity of um, these characters' lives and this mm-hmm. world. Um, so I can't say there's exactly one thing, but I think, yeah, that's that's the um, that's the challenge. It's of- understanding almost like the complexities, isn't it? Yeah. That although you're bucketing these women as a we. It, it's not a universal experience. It's yes. it's a very complex experience. And I think that comes across so well on Thank the page you. because, mm. well, that's what, that's what goes back to this chorus, isn't it? It takes mm-hmm. lots of different types of women to, to make yeah. up a chorus. And it just came yes. across so beautifully. Yes, I love yeah. that read. Thank you so much. That makes me <laughs> just like, yes, I think I did my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am... Um... So I'm a, a white woman who grew up in London. So it's not even like I can relate to Queens either. But mm. I found there was a lot of like I felt quite nostalgic during certain bits, being like, God, <laughs> I remember being that age and like right. doing that with my friends sure. or or this. And um it feels really nostalgic. And I feel like there will be lots of women that do feel seen, even if they mm. aren't one of the people that are necessarily yeah. being represented in the book. Um yeah. and it just made me wonder if you when you were writing it, did you have a a particular reader in mind or did you imagine the types of people that might read your book or would like to read your book yes um I mean uh yeah I I was really I think 
it was really important to me to um, write the book, I guess, centering centering women of color and mm-hmm. immigrant daughters, um, mainly because uh, I guess, yeah, I, I, I think part of me when I was writing this book, I thought, what is the book that I would have wanted to read yeah. when I was that age? Um, what is the book that would have made me feel um, kind of seen mm-hmm. um, that where I could perhaps see like uh, communities that I recognized, um, a place that I recognized. So I guess I was, yeah, I, I mean, I was also thinking of, um, yeah, kind of girls from my hometown as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's, that's not to say um, I'm not like just overjoyed and incredibly happy that um, readers who don't share that experience, like also resonate with the book like that, that is, that's wonderful. Yeah. And there are definitely aspects of like girlhood and growing up mm. and family that exactly. I, I do think other readers um, can, can relate to. And, and I guess not, not just relate to, but like, I think it was important for me to, for readers uh, to kind of like enter this world mm-hmm. and um, yeah, enter this world and feel like they were stepping through a portal yeah. Um, where these immigrant characters were centered and to mm. kind of to kind of be like there for the experience as well. That, that is exactly it. It feels like yeah. you're like, oh, I am, you know, I'm kind of welcome in this bunch because yes, I, I agree. I've had some similar experiences, but also yeah. you so cleverly highlighted the differences and yeah. what I need to learn and take away from this book in this very clever, easy to read and take in way. And I'm mm-hmm. very much in awe. Like it's very, Thank very cleverly done. Yeah. Thank you so much. And it's it's very, you know, it's a very profound book. Um, but it's also, like you said, it's very funny in parts and it's very witty in parts <laughs> yeah. as well. And like you get that joy from the page of, yeah. you know, the, these girls' experiences and the highs and lows of life. And I loved um, the chapter on our mother's commandments and you mm-hmm. like illustrate um these very strict and protective mothers yes. but then and I found that I found those commandments very funny <laughs> the way that they contradicted each other it was absolutely hilarious and but then what I really loved was then towards the end of the book you almost go on this journey with the, mm. the with the women as they get older mm-hmm. and their perspectives change and their priorities change and then as a result they start to see their mothers in new eyes and in a new light as well which was just so beautiful and you know whereas previously they'd sort of seen their mothers as these very practical and unimaginative Mm -hmm. women um there's a quote I think where you say understand that we will never fully comprehend the the dreams their dreams Mm -hmm. and of having coming of age in this promised land and that actually we are their promised land and like that I just found so moving so lovely and it was just so beautiful like how you just narrated like such a wonderful experience in a lot of women's lives where you know when you're growing up you see your 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 mother as this very like strict and oppressing at times (laughs) (laughs) 
And then as soon as you get older, you see her in a totally new pair Mm. of eyes because your life experience has changed. And could you talk to that a little bit? Like, did your own mother inspire any of any of that journey? Yeah, um, my mom was also, yeah, as you described, and as is also in the book, very, very strict, um, (laughs) very, very protective, but um, speaking to, you know, other friends and other readers, it's, that's also a universal experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think they have to be, I think that that makes a lot of sense um, as a parent and as a mom. Um, But yes, yeah, there was a scene, um, there's a scene in in Brown Girls where the characters, I think it's it's also from um, the scene that you just read toward, I think you read the end of that scene, but in the beginning of the scene, um, kind of as you described, the characters are, they're older now. They're no longer yes. these teenage girls or college-aged girls or young professionals. They're they're older, and some of them are mothers themselves, um, and they're they're living their lives. They look in the mirror and they they think, "Oh, I think I, I feel like I see my mom right now." And in that scene, um, there's kind of like a time travel. They, they time travel back to when uh, their moms were, were first immigrating to, yeah. to the U.S. Um, and for me, that was just, that was both, I think, a joy and also really healing to write, mm-hmm. to like imagine um imagine the story from the mother's perspective and um, the risks that they must have taken as well. Um, and the dreams that, that that's a huge dream to, mm-hmm. to move to another country, to learn another language away from your family, raise your own family somewhere else. So certainly I was, I was thinking of my mom's uh, experiences um, and and like writing into what what must it have been like in this fictional space for the characters to yeah. um, see their young moms um, <laughs> yeah. and and imagine that yeah yeah, yeah. it's a bizarre yeah. <laughs> it's a bizarre thought isn't it yeah. <laughs> like no my mom was never young she was always right. this age <laughs> right yeah good swerve there not calling your mom old Lauren <laughs> um, it really like. I the the book you go on such a journey and I and I did actually think towards the end gosh I'm just with a completely different group of women now and I'm feeling differently yeah. reading it because they're a different age and I was always like shall I go back and read the beginning again and see like h- how different it feels and mm. I mean it's just such a bold and amazing book to debut with and just yes. a million congratulations <laughs> and Thank you. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the process of writing a book for the first time which must be exciting but also probably quite scary I imagine and then and then also you know getting getting published and and promoting and how that feels as a debut author yes um so I guess I will uh, let me think about the first part of that excellent (laughs) excellent question um yeah it I started writing this book in 2017 so um 
by the time it was published, it it was it was like four or four and a half years later. So yeah. I, yeah. you know, I had been living with the book for mm. all those years. Um, but uh, yeah, I I still remember honestly. I still remember the first moment of writing just like the opening pages of the book. Like I think that will always stay with me. Um, and it was it was the fall of 2017. Um, and I was a second year graduate student um, studying creative writing here in New York. Um, and I, I had been I had been struggling in my first year. Um, I was like, I don't know if this program, if this is for me, I don't know, yeah. do I need a degree to write? It's, it's quite expensive. You know, I live in New York. Is mm. this, yeah. I feel so out of place with my classmates. Um, so I had all of these, I think, very valid kind of fears mm. and doubts and anxieties. Um, but I, I pushed through and I came into my second year and I had a really fabulous um, creative writing professor who, I mean, she said a ton of great things that stuck in my head, but like one of them was um, a Toni Morrison quote. And it was, um, if there's a book that you want to read, but it has not been written yet, then you must be the one to write it. Oh, That's I amazing. love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was so inspired and I got on the subway home from school to back to where I live um, here in Brooklyn. And I just thought, what is the book that I've always wanted to read, um, but I don't, I haven't seen really represented mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Um, and so I just started writing the opening pages. Um, wow. Yeah, of the book with, there was just so much, I think, so much that I was afraid to say or nervous to write about mm. um, or self-conscious. Um, and I think hearing that, like helped me let go and just start writing. Um, like, <laughs> so what if my experiences are different or um, if I feel all of these things, it's more yeah. important to just to say them. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're very glad you did. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And I'd love to touch on your writing style as well, because it is mm. so unique. It's 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 almost like this wave-like experience when you're reading it. There's like this lovely rhythm to it and it's yeah. quite poetic in in at points. It sort of reminded me of um assembly by Na natasha brown like it that's not written from a collective perspective but it had like this wave like quality to them to and poetic mm -hmm. no motion to the to the cool. to the movement of the text and um, where did you take inspiration for to to decide that i want to write a book mm -hmm. like this like was that your intention from the start that you wanted you know a very unique reading experience or was it something that when you just started writing you're like oh this is what we're doing here cool <laughs> yeah yeah i think a little bit of both i just wrote down um assembly by natalie brown so i'll try to i'll try natasha to brown up. yes oh, definitely give it natasha a read brown. It's, it's brilliant okay um yeah i i think that um, in terms of like influences and 
inspiration for the writing style for brown girls um i had i had actually studied poetry before before turning to fiction yeah um but i yeah i think so many of the stories that i was i was i was working on short stories at the time before turning to the novel um many of them were uh not at all i guess in that vein, that like kind of poetic or musical vein, they were very uh, realist. And I think at the time I was, I was just trying another style, but I, it wasn't clicking. So when, when I started writing Brown Girls, um, I think that I, I was, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe there was an unconscious part of me that was drawing back to those lessons in poetry um, mm. and just my love of poetry in terms of like really thinking about the sounds, thinking about what what is it like when I write a sentence and I read it out loud, like how does it how does it sound and how does it affect me? Yes. Um, I was thinking about the imagery, the the sensory details, the like touch, taste, smell. Um, and then also like white space, like what, what is it like to write a sentence, but, but have it feel like there's all this like white space around it. Like mm. there are things that are unsaid or things that are mm. kind of silent. And how can that be used uh, within the book to communicate something even? Um, so I, I really love these two particular poets. Um, Maggie Nelson and um, Claudia Rankin. And they're technically poets, but they they wrote these two books that I really saw as like hybrid, like hybrid texts, not not truly situated in poetry. Um, Maggie Nelson, I loved her book, Bluettes, and Claudia Rankin, I loved her book, Citizen. And both of those authors, I felt like, drew from all of these different sources of like, they they drew from history, they drew from visual art, they drew from social media. So I guess I, I, I loved that. I loved seeing how like all encompassing and like voracious their work was. And I think I took that attitude into writing Brown Girls of like, well, if I wanna do commandments, a list of commandments, <laughs> I could do that. If I want to have bold lyrics, I could do that or footnotes or monologues um, or just like these very sensory uh, images. I could do all of those things. And that was really freeing, I think. Yes. It's your book. You can do whatever you want (laughs) to do in your book. Why not try it all? (laughs) And it makes for such a great reading experience. Like that, they're all they're always like so different and but also cohesive, like all the different passages. Um, and that's so interesting to hear that poetry and poets have had such a huge part in you as a writer because that so shows, yes, definitely. So, um, and (laughs) (laughs) and I just I'm gonna miss these girls, like, Mm. I feel like you've just the friendships that you've written about and the the way you've illustrated them all they just give off such a strong feeling for for the readers and you know we don't actually know a huge huge um, amount about them you know it's very surface level and yet you totally 
kind of understand who they are and how they all come together and what each of them brings yeah. to the group and just I bravo. Love that. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you for going along with it as a reader because that's certainly something you but have that's to where, trust in. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. where your the poetry comes through because poetry, you're not reading it for a story, really. You're yeah. reading it for a feeling, aren't you? And that's yeah. the same with very much similar to this experience reading it you're not you're not following the lives of these girls to understand like the high what you know the very minute detail of their lives yeah. you're you're following their feelings and their throughout the book and that's yeah. what you come away with and that's what you remember when you when you come yeah. away with um gosh this has been such an interesting conversation yeah. thank you so much for your time Daphne honestly it's it's such you should be so proud of such an incredible book but also a debut like that's that in itself is is phenomenal um, but before we let you go it is women's history month uh, we mm. had international women's day last week and we're celebrating on our platforms by uh recoing or recommending women authors all month long and so we have to ask it yeah. have you got a woman author or book written by a woman uh, that you'd love to reco for our listeners other oh. than some of the brilliant names you've yes. already mentioned of Maggie yeah. Nelson and uh, Buddha yeah. in the Attic. We'll put those in the show notes as well. Yay. Amazing. Um, yes. I love that. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking to like what I've read recently and just like what I love yeah. in general. Um, but like, I, I am a huge fan of, um, I mean, several authors, like I love, I love Joan Didion. Um, I love Zadie Smith. Um, Who else? Uh, I really, really love um, The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. Oh, beautiful book. Yeah. Um, Jhumpa Lahiri, Edwidge Danticat. Um, Yeah. So those are the, those are the authors who come to mind. Incredible. Amazing. Thank you so much. Lots of people to go away and look into there. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Listeners, go away and get yourselves a copy of this fabulous book. It's got such a great cover, so you can't miss it on bookshelves. And And I can see it on your bookshelf, actually, Daphne. It's loving the display. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Jess and Lauren. This was this was really, really fun to to chat I always get nervous for these things but this was this was lovely you're su- you're such a good speaker you speak I mean it is your book but you really speak about it so so well and I've just been fascinated this whole yeah, time so thank you thanks for having me. we're giving you a chance to win a March book at Matterbox which includes a paperback copy of Women in Salt by Gabriella Garcia and a gorgeous hardback notebook some vegan treats and a beautifully scented wax melt there are two ways to enter. If like me, you listen on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, leave a rating and review and use your Instagram handle as your nickname on the review. Or if like me, you listen on Spotify or anywhere else, then follow the podcast on that platform and share a screenshot on your Instagram story tagging at book records. We can count your entry that way. Entries for the Marks March box close on Monday the 28th of March and the winner will be announced on our Instagram on Wednesday the 30th of March. If you're listening to this at a later date, then don't worry. It's a monthly competition, so still enter and we'll count your entry towards whatever box is in the time. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.